Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. You're listening to a special edition of the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast called Your Last Decade. We thought it'd be fun to talk to a few friends about what life was like for them 10 years ago. How has life changed? What did the year 2010 bring them and what has the last decade brought them? Okay, friends, I have some fun news for you. Today is actually our last episode of our special edition that we've been doing since January called Your Last Decade. When we started your last decade, we thought it was just going to go through January because it was a new decade, 2020, yay, yay, yay. And then I loved it. I love getting to have two shows a week and I love getting to invite men onto the show. So we're stopping your last decade. So that's the sad news, but here's the good news. It's not our last Friday episode. That's right. We're going to continue to create a Friday show for you, but moving forward, we're gonna have two happy hours every week. Who would not love two happy hours every week? So you might be wondering, does that mean no more men guests? And the answer is, I have actually enjoyed getting to talk to men on this show as well. For those of you that have been here for a long time, you know that when I created this show over six years ago, I created it saying I was just going to interview women. And it's been so much fun to talk to some amazing women who are doing phenomenal things with their life and the gifts God's given them right where he's planted them. But... I'm expanding my horizons. And so we are now going to have two happy hours a week and we're going to interview both men and women who are following Jesus and loving him and doing great things right where they are. Today, our guest is Preston Perry. Now, Preston's married to a friend of the show, Jackie Hill Perry. In fact, she was on the show a while ago. If you haven't heard it, I highly recommend you go listen to it. It's episode number 190 and it was about two years ago that she joined us. But today, Preston's on. He is rocking being a girl dad. He's a spoken word poet. And he and Jackie are killing it with their podcast, 30 Minutes with the Perrys, and their YouTube show. 10 years ago, Preston's life looked nothing like it does today. And God has done beyond what he ever thought would be his reality in his world. I'm excited to share this conversation with you guys. We talk about how Preston and Jackie started dating, how God drew Preston to himself and grew his desire to be someone who's willing to engage in apologetics. Preston also shares some powerful truths surrounding the struggles faced with sexual temptation. We serve a God who knows what it feels like to be tempted and commands us to boldly come to the throne of grace. And Preston and I talk about that today. Okay, friends, here is my conversation with Preston Perry. Hey, Preston, welcome to the happy hour. Thanks for having me. How you doing, Jamie? I'm good. A lot of people uh, know who your wife is because she's been on the show before. And so Jackie's been on the happy hour before. We love Jackie Hill Perry over here. And you are the other half to the Perrys. I am so, 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 so excited to chat with you today. I was just telling you that I remember when I met you, it was on a plane. Yeah. And listen, <laughs> if you had a dollar for everyone that came up to you and said, hey, are you Jackie's husband? You'd have some dollars, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Especially. Well, uh, well women, because, we you know, they, they, they like follow your wife and love everything she's doing. 
Right, right, right. Yeah, I'll probably be a rich man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I felt like so dumb because I'm like, okay, of course you know her because you follow her on Instagram, right? This is what you're thinking. And then I wanted to be like, no, like I really know your wife. Like, like I have her phone number. Do you mean she's like we're friends? (laughs) It's like I wanted to let you know, like we're actually really friends. But I'm excited to have you here. So on the show, we talk about our last ten years, and. You've had a lot happen in the last 10 years. What did your life look like in 2010? What were you doing? What was your job? I don't think you were married. Yeah, no, ironically, that's the first year I met Jackie at a at a poetry event in 2010 in Los Angeles, California, where she did her first public thing ever, a poem called My Life is a Stud, talking about her testimony. And I did my um, first poem that ever went public called Soul Ties. And... Um, both of our poems went viral on YouTube, and then we became friends and then started a three-year friendship. But yeah, t- 2010, I was just traveling um, the United States by car <laughs> with my friends. I was in a poetry group in Chicago. And um, yeah, just doing that, just doing poetry events for like $25 a gig. <laughs> and it was fun. You know, I didn't really have a lot of responsibilities. I was just young, loving the Lord. And um, loving doing spoken word poetry. So, Did you grow up in a Christian home or when did you start following Jesus? Because I know you've had, you talk about the poem that you had go viral and Jackie had a poem go viral at that same place. I know you guys have very different stories, but also a lot of similarities within your stories. And so when did you start following Jesus? Like legit, I'm all in. He is my Lord. Let's do this. Yeah, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I grew up uh, with, with a single mom who raised me and my brother and my sister and my sister's child, <laughs> low-key. And my mom, she she worked four jobs just to provide for us. So I, I would go to church when my grandma would come around or on Easter or on Christmas. I think in the urban community, that was typical for a lot of, you know, Black kids. Like, we went to church, you know, on an important day. Mm-hmm. The ones that <laughs> mattered, right? Yeah, yeah. So I didn't grow up in, in the church at all. And, um, yeah, and I just kind of grew up, like, in the streets, you know. When my mom was working, I kind of, in a lot of ways, raised myself, you know, provided for my brother and my sister in the best way I could, you know, doing illegal stuff at times. Yeah, so around 2008, well, I'm sorry, 2006, I heard the gospel for the first time in a house church in Atlanta, Georgia, because I was trying to talk to this girl <laughs> and her pa- parents was ministers. And that was the first time I heard that God had beef with my lifestyle because mm-hmm. I heard about God and I heard about, you know, Jesus and stuff like that. But I never really heard that my life was offensive to a holy and a righteous God before then. So I was like, whoa, this is kind of new to me. You know, God has a problem. Like he doesn't forgive all. And that was the first time I understood that if God is good, he must judge all sin, all things that I do that's bad. So then from there, I believe that God began to pursue me. And um, I, I had a friend who died in my sister's arms. He got shot right outside my house. And I believe God began to speak to me right in and there. I tell the story all the time that I thought, I believe that God was telling me like, this is you and your sin. You're dead and you're saying, I'm calling you to repent. So I moved, I went back home. And then when I moved, went back to my old neighborhood. A guy that I grew up with named Gary Brown, who, yeah, just ran the streets and gang banging, did a whole bunch of bad stuff my whole life. God had radically changed his life. And it was this guy who got saved in my context. Mm-hmm. Like he still was urban, he still wore Jordans, he still looked like me, but his heart was new. 
And he took me under his wing and he began to disciple me for a year and a half. And through Gary's life, I gave my life to Jesus. And I remember being in my room one day. I didn't get saved in a church. I didn't get saved, you know, in some revival. I just got saved in my room. And I, I remember, you know, praying to the Lord and asking the Lord, like, I want to love you like Gary loves you. And I didn't even know that was repentance at the time, but God saved me. Because through his life, I just began to see that I didn't love God and how loving God looks like. And um, God saved me that day in my life. I love that. And I grew up going to church my whole life. So I grew up in, you know, what we would call a Christian home, which is like your girls are growing up in. And when I hear people tell stories of Jesus capturing their heart, because we all have, if you're a follower of Jesus, you all have that moment, whether it's in a church or in your parents' house or with Gary or whatever it looks like, we all have that moment where God kind of becomes clear for us. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a difficult for me, and I don't know how you feel about this. Both you and your wife, Jackie, are Christians in ministry, and so your kids are growing up in that household the same as mine. There's always something so beautiful. Like when you said just now that you didn't know that God had beef with your sin, like you didn't know that God would care about your lifestyle. That is a foreign concept to me because I've always known that God cared about my sin, but it's yeah. so much so that it, I became jaded as a teenager that I'm like, wow. oh, I, you know, what's the big deal? So it's always just so interesting. And I love that God works in every context and every situation and every person's heart differently. And I think yeah. it's a testimony of how good God is to chase after us wherever we are, whatever we're dealing with. Yeah. It's beautiful to see God pursue people in different circumstances, period. Because I, ironically, it's a lot of people that I did grow up around, grew up with, who grew up in a church and that jadedness drew them farther away from the yeah. Lord and they're atheists. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm a Christian now, living for the Lord, like for real. And you grew up in the church and you want nothing to do with God, you know? So even looking at you, I, I thank God. Some people will look at me and be like, I thank God, you know, God pursued Preston and, and got him. He didn't even grow up in a church, but I know so many people who did grow up in a church and not walking with Jesus. So I thank God for you that God still has his hand on your life. And it wasn't just a church experience, but a God experience that you had, you know? Yeah, it's good. So this is like off the subject of your last decade, but raising kids, you know, your family, my family, we're raising children in an environment where both parents do ministry. And, you know, it's a, it's a weird, my my husband works at a church and I have a Christian podcast and I travel and speak at churches. And so everything's in this kind of Christian bubble. How do the Perry's and the Ivy's raise kids that don't do what you just saw so many of your friends do? How, How do we do that, Preston? We've had so many conversations like this. It's crazy. One of the things that we've done, we don't want to give our children, our religion, like hand them our religion. We want to display our religion and allow them to be, allow them to have the free will that God gave them. You know, we don't want to force anything down down their, their throat. We, we never want to convince them that they're a Christian when they're not. We want to teach them about sin. We want to teach them about yeah, their own heart and their own depravity. And we want them, you know, the Bible is true and it says that if you raise your children up in a way way that you go, they would, you know, in the end, they would never depart from it. And I believe that at the end of the day, our children in a lot of ways will have no excuse. They will have no excuse because they had godliness lived out in front of them, yeah. you know, but we don't want to convince them that, you know, even when I pray with Eden, someday she say, I don't want to pray that. And I say, well, why don't you want to pray? And then um, my Eden, she's five, by the way, 
to those who don't know. And uh, she said, I just don't feel like it. And I said, okay, well, you don't have to pray today. Daddy's going to pray, but you don't have to pray today. But I want you to just, you know, think about why you don't want to pray. And then tomorrow we'll talk about it or in the morning we'll talk about it. And I kind of give her the free will to do so, you know? Yeah. And uh, she doesn't feel forced. And then sometimes she's, she's excited about reading the Bible. I want to I wanna learn more about Job. And it's like, okay, you know? Um, so we, we kind of give her the space to, you know, um, yeah, to seek God and, and to explore biblical things on her own without forcing it down their throat, without making them think that, you know, I have to adopt my, my parents' religion. You know, they see their parents with their faith every day. You know, but yeah, so I think that's one of the main things we, we try to do with our children. That's good. Us too, like that as well. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. You know, Preston, one of the things that I love about you that I've been able to see in the past couple of years of knowing you through your wife and seeing what you're doing is I've watched with my children some of your videos on YouTube, mm -hmm. apologetics. And so I just want to hear from you. First, I want you to explain the word apologetics for some of our listeners. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then I want you to tell me, when did this start in you? And tell me how this has kind of worked out in your life in these last 10 years. Yeah. So the word apologetics derives from the Greek word apologia. And apologia uh, means to defend the faith. So in 1 Peter 3.15, it says, Peter says, always be, be prepared to make a defense for why you believe what you believe, but yet do it with gentleness and respect. So that's what it means. It means to, to defend the faith, but with gentleness and respect. And a lot of times, apologists and people who want to defend the faith, they forget the whole gentleness and respect. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, he said with gentleness and respect. No. Uh -huh. So that's what it is. It's just a defense of religious doctrine. That's what apologetics is. And yeah, it started when um, I think my first, my second year, I was a Christian. 
my first year in the vocational college, I was in uh, in class and I was challenged by this Jehovah's Witness who knew the Bible like front to back. And I knew the key foundational essentials of the gospel, but I didn't know like how to defend what I believed. And he began to ask me all of these questions about the person of Christ, about the Trinity, about just Christian things that he disagreed with and I couldn't defend it. So it kind of lit a fire under me to go back home and study. And I didn't know what apologetics was. I didn't know the word. I just knew that my personality <laughs> wanted to reach this guy and my personality didn't want to be defeated. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. um, because just the way I am. So I went home and I studied Charles H. Russell. I studied the Jehovah's Witnesses doctrine. I studied the found. I studied everything. And I went back and I began to have a conversation with him that lasted like six months every day after class. And uh, when I finally met Gary, the guy who discipled me, he said, man, he said, you're, you're gearing up to be an apologist. And I said, what is that? And he said he began to teach me what it is kind of when I got into it. And I always loved street evangelism. So instead of just going on my block to give the gospel, I would go on the corner and I would give the gospel to Hebrew Israelites. And I would give the gospel to Muslims and I would give the gospel to, you know, Mormons in downtown Chicago. So I started giving the gospel to different religions. So I had to study their worldviews. I had to read the Book of Mormon. I had to read the New World Translation, the Bible that the Jehovah's Witnesses study. So I had to read all these things. And that, so that's kind of how I, I got into it. And I just believe that when in Matthew 28, when it tells us to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I just believe that includes people in other religions. I just, I don't think that should just stop with the guy you work with. Mm. I think that also goes for the Jehovah's Witness who knock at your door. That a lot of us, we had on the couch in our home <laughs> <laughs> when he comes. I believe that, you know, it includes them. So I try my best to talk to people that a lot of times Christians avoid. And um, I just believe that God has done wonders with the ministry so far. Yeah. So I love it. Well, I mean, I've, I, like I said, I've, watch some of the videos with my kids. And so I'm grateful for them as well. I think my favorite Preston story was, I think I was with your wife, Jackie, at an event. You were home with the kids or kid. I can't even remember. And I don't remember <laughs> if it was Jehovah's Witness came to the door. And next thing I know, we're watching a video and they're holding your baby. And Jackie was showing it to <laughs> yeah, me. It was on, funny. On IG Live. On IG. Yes. <laughs> it was quite, quite funny. Preston, one thing I know is that even though we are both followers of Jesus and you know, live our lives for the purpose of more people knowing him. I know that about you. I also know that it doesn't come without, it doesn't mean that we lose all of our struggles and all of our temptations that maybe we struggled with previously before even becoming a believer. I know you mentioned the past 10 years, one thing that surprised you or that you had to work through more than you might've thought was the sexual temptation. What does that look like for um, uh, a married man following Jesus, lover of his word, soon to be father to three? Congratulations, by the way. Um, Thank I think you. You're already an incredible girl, dad. Let's just keep this going. But talk to me a little bit about that struggle, what that's looked like, because one thing that I believe is true is a lot of times we don't talk about this much publicly or even from like a, a gospel-centered view. So walk me through, what does this look like for you? How do you fight this? And how do you encourage people who might be in the same place as you? Yeah, ironically, you know, I know you kind of asked that question off air for the last 10 years and I've been married six. So just the last 10 years and also the six years that I've been married, I've had different degrees of struggling with sexual temptation, you know? And uh, so ironically, before I got married, Jackie, 
was before I started dating Jackie. Jackie was my friend for three years. And she was one of the main people I went to for encouragement in that area. <laughs> she would tell me, don't talk to this girl. Don't talk to that girl. <laughs> oh, that girl is bad for you. She'll lead you into temptation and stuff like that. So that was my closest, one of my closest girlfriends who helped me in, in that area. But yeah, it's been a struggle, man. Uh, I grew up in a very, um, yeah, just just male domineering culture, a hyper super masculine culture where we were taught to have multiple women as a sign of manhood, you know? And I think what a lot of men don't express is having multiple women to affirm who you are is a part of our identity. It's not just about sex, right? Even for the Christian man, it still can be a struggle. You know, my wife, she came out of the life of homosexuality. And a lot of people say, well, how do you deal with somebody who came out of their lifestyle? I tell them, I say, she deals with, I deal with that the same way. She deals with a person who came out of the lifestyle that I came out out of, which was a very unnatural lifestyle as well, right? God did not create a man to be with multiple women, but God created a man to be with one woman um, in the same way God created a woman to be with one man, you know? Mm -hmm. So we both was in this very unnatural lifestyle that the culture tried to deem as as acceptable and so jesus had to just yeah had to just reshape what we thought about about what we were taught growing up and um teach us about him and i remember when i first became christian you know you know how you first became a christian you throw away all your secular music yeah uh-huh. burn them all, in the pile yeah <laughs> yeah i broke all my tupac cds yeah i broke all my biggie i was like i'm not listening to this and i was so ready and willing to give away everything. And I realized that I couldn't stop falling into sexual sin. And I was like, man, I was in my room one day. This just had to be my second year I was a Christian. Because the first year I was just on fire, just sharing Jesus with everybody. And I remember being in my room one day, so discouraged. And I was sitting at the computer and I was like, God, like, I do not think that I'm a Christian. I was condemning myself and I was like, God, I don't believe I'm a Christian. You have to show me if I'm a Christian because I cannot conquer the sin. And I remember praying and I remember the Lord speaking to my heart. He said, Preston, you don't believe that you're a Christian because you don't believe I am who I say I am. Mm. And I was like, wow. So I began to read the word about sexual sin and about how, you know, our bodies were created for the Lord, not sexual sin and stuff like that. And then God began to minister to me and God began to show me that I believe that God delivered me and saved me in portions. And that's not how God saves us. When God saves us, he saves us holistically, right? And a lot of times I struggled in that area because I just didn't believe God in that area. I didn't believe that he was God in that area. Like he's the same God who made me stop listening to things that didn't glorify him. He's the same God who made me stop doing drugs. He's the same. And he's the same God who saved me from my own sexual sin. So I begin to believe that God was that God in, in that area. And even now as a married man, when I struggle with wanting to watch pornography, when I struggle with wanting to think about my ex-girlfriends, like I still have to remember that that Jesus died on the cross for that. Mm-hmm. Like he was pent on the cross for that sin. When the Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin so that I can become the righteousness of God, I have to believe that when it comes to my sexual sin and I have to believe that Jesus died for it. And so it's just a consistent reminder that God died for me in that area. And I just, I I have to consistently remind myself. And not only that, my brothers who I walk life with consistently remind me, you know, P, Preston died for that. Me, Jesus died for that. So don't, don't worry about it. And we just remind each other that Jesus, you know, died on the cross for our sins and, Mm. and he's faithful to, to help us. 
It's so good. I've heard from a lot of women privately for sure. And I, I definitely understand that I'm talking to a man here. And so there are some differences here, but I have a lot of women listeners. So I'll just say this. I've heard from a lot of women privately who say I'm married and I still struggle with thoughts or ideas or wanting to look at pornography. And so I'm thankful for you talking through how your belief that God that Jesus died for that sin changes the way you view your sin and you keep fighting. You know, it's not like you succumb to it and be like, oh, whatever, God's going to forgive me. But it's a fight and then a trust that God is who he says he is and Jesus did what he says he did. Absolutely. And also one of the key scriptures I go to is Hebrews 4.14 when it talks about Jesus being the great high priest and who's able to sympathize with the fact that we're weak because he also became human. And then it goes on and says, let us therefore come to the throne of grace with boldness that we might find help and favor in our time of need. And we serve a God who knows what it feels like to be human. No other religion can say that. No other religion can say, I serve a God who knows what it feels like to be tempted because he was tempted in every way as we are. And it tells us to come to the throne of grace with boldness. So I, I just, I come to God. Bold, and I say, God, I need help because God never promised us that we would have temptation. He just promised us that He will give us the strength and the grace to overcome temptation. We have to come mm-hmm. to Him every day yeah. with boldness because yeah. uh, we're flawed human beings. Uh, Preston, over the last 10 years, what has been the thing that has surprised you the most? You know, it's it's crazy because, you know, if I look back at my life 10 years ago, I could have never guessed where I was right now. I didn't have this show that I hosted. I didn't live where I lived. You know, like, it's just crap. My family wasn't like this. And so, obviously, the understatement is a lot can happen in 10 years, for sure. But when you look back at where you were in 2010 to where you were in 2020, what has surprised you the most? Somebody told me that I would marry Jackie. I would have married Jackie. Somebody who was my close, <laughs> close, close friend. I would have... I was like, no, because me and Jackie both was like, we're not going to never date, guys. Stop trying to put us together. (laughs) (laughs) Put us together. But also, too, I mean, this shouldn't surprise me. My mom told me all my life because my grandmother, when I was three, prophesied. Well, supposedly prophesied to my mom and told her that I was going to travel the world, giving the gospel in creative ways. So she told me that all during high school that I was going to do that, which was very, very creepy. But the fact that I've traveled so many places, I I wouldn't, you know, at at one point I didn't think I was going to leave my city, Chicago. Yeah. And the fact that I've, you know, been all over the continent of Africa, been all over Europe, you know, and just seen so many different, you know, people and, and places, I wouldn't have believed you, you know. So I love seeing, you know, different people and experiences. So I think that's, it's helped shape my worldview in, in a way that nothing else can. Rub his shoulders with people in Kenya and Rwanda and Ethiopia and, and London and Sweden. I mean, that's been my biggest surprise that I've been able to travel the world and just see so many different things and people and experiences. Um, I've experienced God in such amazing ways traveling out of the United States. This is a question that I just think I don't, I've never heard the answer to this. Who stepped over that? Let's, we're going to be more than friend line first, you or Jackie? (laughs) Uh, Me, of course. Okay, you did. Yeah, me and Jack are both very stubborn, strong-willed people. And so I, I came to her one day and I was like, yo, I think God is calling me to pursue you. And um, she was like, ah, I knew this was ha- I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> and I was like, uh, why? She was like, because I've been liking you for a year now. And I prayed and I asked God. I was like, God, help me to see Preston as a brother. But if it's meant for us to be together, help me to look at him like a brother and not a crush. 
something like that. That was prayer. Like, help me to, uh, yeah, she said, let him pursue me. If he doesn't pursue me, help me to look at him like a brother, not a crush. So a week later, I end up calling her and telling her that I want to pursue her. Look at and God. And so she was like, so she was like, I knew this was going to happen or I knew my feelings was going to change. So my yeah. feelings didn't change for you. I knew you was eventually going to come to me, you know, and say that you want to pursue me. And she was like, okay, well, she was like, I don't know what to do next. <laughs> she was like, so <laughs> it's up to you. So I just, yeah, I told her first that I wanted to, you know, pursue her. I love it. I love it so much. Preston, tell me about what you hope for the next 10 years. Man, I want to write books. I hope to write a couple of books with my wife, Jackie. I'm writing my first book now, and we see how that goes. When's it come out? Do you have a release date yet? No, I mean, I just finished my proposal, and I'm okay. starting my oh, first yes. job. It's in the infant stages right now. It's I hear on, you. It's on Urban Apologetics. And, um, yeah, I just I want to write books. Uh, me and Jackie, we look to start our conference together. And, you know, we have a, a podcast called 30 Minutes with the Perrys, but we want to do podcast tours. You've been one of the people who've inspired us in the whole podcast world because your podcast is always dope. So stuff like that. Um, so we want to do stuff like that. More ministry together. People may know me and Jackie. We travel, we tour together on the Pulse Autumn Tour where we do like 40-some city tours. And it's draining. So one of the things that me and Jackie want to do, we want to create our own thing where we can create our own schedule, our own ministry where we don't have to be so, you know, wore out by traveling so much. Very, very smart of you guys. Yeah, yeah. Very smart. Well, I love everything you guys are doing. I love the creativeness that you each individually bring to the world, into your marriage, into the kingdom of God. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful for both of you. And my kids wear your clothes, too. <laughs> Dope. <laughs> Shout out to Bold Apparel. <laughs> Shout out to Bold Apparel. My kids rock them. Preston, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for being a good example of a daddy who loves the Lord and raising their kids up in the ways of the Lord. And it's fun to see all that you and Jackie have your hands in. And I just know that God's going to blow the socks off what the Perry's do in the next couple of years. So, yeah. so excited. I'm grateful for you. The world needs your podcast. So continue, continue. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Y'all, thank you for listening to the Happy Hour Special Edition of Your Last Decade. This is our last Your Last Decade, and it's kind of bittersweet because something that we thought would only last one month has lasted seven months, and we have loved every single moment that we've gotten to talk to people about what their last decade looks like. I hope that you'll continue to look back, even if it's look back on yesterday or last year or last month and see the ways that God has been faithful to you. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Quinn Pearson, and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Guys, we'd love it if you enjoyed this show. If you would share with your friends, word of mouth is the number one way that people find out about our podcast, and we thank you for that. We'll see you next week with two happy hour episodes. 